0: All right, well, we're going to be in John chapter 8 this morning, so I encourage you to turn to John chapter 8. We're going to look at one verse today, and it's found in verse 12. But if you are new with us, let me just explain where we've been in the past few weeks. We've been in this series that I've entitled, It's Personal, where we have been looking at the tremendous blessings and benefits that we have been given if we have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, that I have a personal relationship with jesus christ like just let that sink in that today if i place my trust in jesus perfect life and perfect death and resurrection for my sin that if that's me today i just don't have a relationship with jesus christ but i have a personal relationship with jesus christ and personal not in the sense of It's private but personal in the sense of a possession, that it's a gift that God has given me that I can't earn, that I don't deserve, that it's not based on my merit or the good that I've done, but it's only based on God's grace and giving me what I don't deserve. Praise God, today if I place my trust in him as my Lord and Savior, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've been walking through passages of Scripture just looking at the amazing blessings that we have because of that reality. First week, we looked at the amazing thing that we can say as followers of Jesus Christ, those who have a personal relationship with Him, that Jesus is my boast, that He's my source of significance, that He's my self worth, that I don't need to find that in my status or my strength or my stuff, but praise God through Jesus Christ, He's given me His status, His stuff his strength. And then two weeks ago, we looked at just foundational truth about the gospel that in no way can I in and of myself ever bridge the sin chasm from my sinfulness to God's holiness. So praise be to God that Jesus loved me enough to send Jesus Christ to be my mediator so that every day that I get up, I say, Jesus, I can't, but you did. You did for me what I couldn't do for myself. You bridged that gap between my sinfulness and your holiness so that I can have a relationship with you. You are my mediator. And every day that I pray, I pray in Jesus' name because it reminds me that Jesus did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Then last week, we looked at the amazing reminder that Jesus is my reward. We looked at Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11, where Paul says, Man, I look at all the loss that I've had, and I look at it as nothing because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He's my great gain. So whatever loss I, I have in my life in those two sides of the ledger, the losses and the gains column, man, when I look at everything that I've been given in Jesus Christ, I look at what God maybe has taken away or what I've had to lose because of following Jesus Christ, I say, man, it's insignificant in the comparison of what I have in Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at another reality that we have because we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just say this, that if you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ today, man, there is no greater thing that you can do today than to do that. And I hope that you will hear what Jesus has done for you through his word today. Here's the overarching idea that I want you to get today. Here it is. If you're taking notes, write it down. Light is essential for living light is essential for living without light there is no life I mean that's just a reality in our ecosystem right I mean even think about light from the Sun that acts as a catalyst during photosynthesis in plants and allowing plants to grow it allows uh, plankton to grow in the oceans light gives life light is essential for living Think about light for humanity, that if the sun was just a little, like just, in, just a foot or yards further back than what it is now, we would all freeze to death. And if it was just that much closer, we'd all burn up. But light is essential for living for humanity. It gives us life. Think about warmth. I mean, I know it's hard right now because it's super hot, but man, when it's cold, think about how awesome it is to go to a fire and to go to that light and receive warmth. Like, I have a whole new appreciation for warmth after spending some months in Chicago. I didn't know what, like, negative meant. Like, remember, I'm from Florida. So, man, light, aren't you so glad for it? Light gives warmth. is essential for living. Think about this. Light is the most important tool of guidance. That when you're lost or when it's dark, what do you do? You take a flashlight, power goes out, you turn it on, what is it? It's used to guide you. Light is essential for living. Light is also important to communicate. Think of the lighthouses that, that stand on the shore to let the ships know that they're getting closer to land. Think of the way that Morse code is used in those things. Light helps us Communicate—it's essential for living. And don't you find it interesting? It even affects our health and our mood, right? Our emotions. Think about it: when it's overcast for a few days and you don't see the sun, you're just a, you're just kind of ornery. It's harder to get out of bed, right? Think about the time change. Like time change happens. Whoo, all of a sudden, our 11 a.m. service is doubled. Because it's so much harder to get up when it's still dark outside for so many of us. It affects our mood. It affects our health. Think about it. Some of you who, who grew up in the north, how many of you grew up up in the north and you're so glad you don't have to deal with any of those winters anymore? Anybody? Remember when you used to have to be in front of that light just to help you because it was so dark and gloomy outside? Or just, man, I need some vitamin D and I need to get out in the sun, It affects our health and emotions. Why? Because it's that idea that I gave you at the beginning of this message. Light is essential for living. So here's the title of this message this morning. Jesus is my light. Say that with me. Jesus is my light. Now let's read John chapter 8, verse 12. And I'll give the context of this verse after we read it. But look at it with me. Jesus, Jesus says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, Here's what Jesus says I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, we read that statement today, and it's one of the I am statements, and we read that statement today. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you would say that's probably not the first time that you've heard that verse. Maybe you're here today, and it's the first time you have heard that verse. And we read it and we say, okay, Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. But here's the significance of it. Here's the background of it. Is that when Jesus says this, they were celebrating in Israel and in Jerusalem, they were celebrating a festival called the Festival of booze. Booths. B-O-O-T-H-S. Booths. Or the easier way to say it, Festival of Tabernacles. Remember when we were in our Nehemiah series, and the children of Israel dedicated themselves once again to the Lord, and they said, we're going to observe the festivals that we haven't observed before, and they actually go out and they make little uh, houses, they were celebrating this festival, and this festival that right now, Jesus... Is there in the temple courtyard and as they're celebrating this, here's something that they would do. On the first night of the festival of tabernacles or booths, they would light torches and they would put them all around the temple. And most historians say that the light was so bright that it literally lit up the city. And what the festival of tabernacles or booths celebrated was reminding the children of Israel of God's presence and protection and guidance Through the wilderness when God led them out of Egypt and as they wandered around in the wilderness and God led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so when they lit these torches that lit up the temple and literally lit up Jerusalem so that you could see it for miles, it literally was a reminder of how God led them by a pillar of fire at night. And when they would celebrate this festival of tabernacles or booths, it was not just a reminder to look back at what God did, but it was also a hope that a Messiah was coming again to be that light for his people. And so Jesus is there in that temple courtyard with those torches bright, and Jesus says to the crowds there, I am the light of the world. So that would have raised a few eyebrows. That would have caused a few people to be concerned. That would have definitely sent the Pharisees off. Why? Because Jesus, by saying those words, I am the light of the world, is literally saying, you know what you're celebrating? You're celebrating me. So it was a big, big deal. Exodus chapter Thirteen verses 21 and 22 it's on the screen would you look at it with me where it talks about this pillar of fire and cloud by day it says and the lord went before them that's is the children of israel by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what Jesus is saying is, the Messiah has come. And he's come to be your light. And he's come to be your light to show you how you can have a relationship with a holy God. And so as we jump into this verse this morning and jump into this passage in this I am statement, what we need to understand today, if you've never done this before, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is that Jesus is the light that shows you how you can have a relationship with a holy God. A personal relationship. Jesus is my light. Light is essential for living. And so what I want to do this morning in this verse Verse 12 of chapter 8 is, I want to show you what Jesus as our light provides us with. Three things. Here's the first one. Look at what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. Here's the first thing that Jesus provides us with as our light, his presence, so there's no reason to be alone. That Jesus, when I understand that he is my light, then what that means for me practically is I have his presence. So there is no reason to be alone. Think about it. Darkness, doesn't it cause you to fear? Darkness drives us to fear. Now, I'm going to ask you guys right now to be super transparent. You think you're ready for that? You ready for that? Here's the question. How many of you in this room are afraid of the dark? Come on. How many of you are afraid of the dark? Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. It's hard for me to see. Yeah. So quite a few people in here are afraid of the dark. Why? Because you don't know when you're in the dark, you don't know who might be hiding in that corner. You don't know when you get home and all the lights are out, if there's someone there that's waiting to jump out and to scare me or rob me or whatever it is, right? I'm all of a sudden like, like, if you don't fear the dark, don't let what I'm saying cause you to fear the dark. But it's the unknown, right? It's what could possibly be, but probably never will be. But it's that darkness, right? I mean, I remember when I was on a baseball trip in high school, and we took a trip uh, up to Tennessee to play in this tournament. And along the way, what we did is we stopped at Stone Mountain, Georgia. And in Stone Mountain, Georgia, they have these caves, and there's caves all along all along that area and so we as a baseball team were thought man we'll go down we went down to these caves and went way down and you saw the stalactites and the stalagmites and I don't know which one is which but we saw those and and we went and we went into that cave and you know what they do you're all there together and you know what they do you know what I'm about to say they turn out the lights and man I had never experienced darkness like that before You know, when it's like dark in your house, and after a while, it's like, or like it's in the middle of the night, and you get up, and your eyes are adjusted, you know, and you can kind of see, even though it's dark, man, there was no adjustment. I remember when those lights went out, it was pitch black, like you could put your hand in front of your face, and you could not see it, and your eyes never adjusted, and I remember as soon as that happened, it was literally like, like all of us guys all acted trying to... Act macho and everything and all of a sudden it literally felt like everything closed in It was dark. It was black Darkness drives us to fear and Jesus says I am the light of the world What he's saying is is listen. I'm the light. I drive out the darkness I'm providing my presence John 1, verses 4 and 5, look at the way that John introduces Jesus as he starts out his gospel in John. He says, in him was life, speaking of Jesus, and the life was, interesting how he describes it, the life was the light of men. The light, look at this, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Think about it. There has never happened in my life where I go into my house when it's dark at night and I flip on the switch and darkness beats light. Never happens. Unless the electric's out. Never happens. I've never, light is undefeated when it comes to overriding darkness. And Jesus says of himself, I'm the light of the world. And John says of Jesus in John 1 That the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That Jesus' presence has come and there's no reason to be alone. It says in verse 14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us That literally has the idea Remember as I described The children of Israel in the wilderness What the festival of tabernacles represented And, and what, what they did And they, they, they were mobile Which means that every time they went somewhere And put up camp They set up the tabernacle They set up the tent The places of worship And when that was set up God's presence if it was at night Pillar of fire would rest Where that holy of holies was And what it symbolized was is God's presence is with us we don't need to fear symbolize that and it says here in John 1:14 that the word became flesh and dwelt like that's the word tabernacled among us like Jesus has come God in the flesh and he's come to, to show us I'm here My presence is here. It says, and we have seen His glory. The glory is of of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But I wonder today, how many of you who have a relationship with Jesus Christ would say, I feel His presence. I don't feel alone. I may be literally alone right now. I may be in a relationship right now and I'm feeling alone or I maybe have abandoned by someone and and the world would characterize me as I'm alone but for some reason I don't feel alone it's God's presence because you're understanding that Jesus is your light but I venture to guess that there's probably people in this room that when I made that statement that Jesus is my light and he provides me with his presence so there's no reason to be alone you would say but I feel alone because here's the reality It's only when I get with God alone that I no longer feel alone. I wonder if you're feeling alone this morning. My question to you would be, when is the last time you got alone with God and opened up his word and fell on your face and cried out to him, when's the last time? Because I know there's been times in my life, man, where I have felt alone. And when that loneliness left, it was only when I got alone with God and opened his word and looked to him and fell on my face and cried out to him that all of a sudden I didn't feel alone anymore. When's the last time? Because here's what I know, and when I look at God's word, I see, wait a minute, Jesus is my light, and if Jesus is my light, that means that he's given me his presence, so there's no reason to be alone. So if I'm feeling alone, I'm saying to myself, where have I wandered? And I need to get alone with God so I don't feel alone. I love Psalm 139. Like if you're feeling alone this morning, a passage of scripture that you ought to go to today or tomorrow or whenever you feel alone is Psalm 139 because it's a great psalm that reminds us of the presence that we have as a gift from God by being one of his children. And let me just read to you verses 7 through 12. Look at what it says. Where shall I go from your spirit? Like we're just going to get a bunch of rhetorical questions here and the answer is I can't. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, like even in those times where I want to say and I want to feel that it's darkness around me and I can't see any light, look at what the psalmist says, even the darkness is not dark to you. How awesome is that? That as dark as it looks to me, it's not dark to my Savior who is my light. The night is as bright as the day, and the darkness is as light with you. Listen to me. The first thing that Jesus, my light, has given you and given me, and if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that he offers you through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is his presence. There's no reason to be alone. Here's the second thing. He gives us his protection, so there's no reason to be anxious. Look at what it says. He not only says, I am the light of the world, but Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He's given me his protection. There's no reason for me to be anxious today. Light makes you feel safe, doesn't it? Light makes you feel safe. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you another question, all right? And I'm going to, I don't remember who raised their hand for the first question of who's afraid of the dark, but if you raised your hand, then probably you're going to raise your hand for this. You ready for this? How many of you sleep with a nightlight? Come on. Come on. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't be shy about that. You can be a grown adult and sleep with a nightlight. We have one in our house. Yeah, why? Why do you sleep with a nightlight? Because it's just the idea that, you know what? I'm not consumed with the darkness. Not consumed with the darkness. And here's something I found, you know, it is Father's Day. Here's something I found with my kids is they can be totally scared to death of the dark or they watch something that they shouldn't have and they didn't they thought they were so brave when they were watching it and now it's time to go to bed and they're the most fearful kid in the universe but you know all of a sudden it's like if they sleep by themselves they're totally freaked out but as soon as dad lays in the bed boom, gone and usually when I've done that I don't do that so much anymore because my kids are older but when I did that dad was out before they were but that's a whole nother story they, right? Am I right? All of a sudden, now they're the bravest kid in the world. Why? Because dad's with them in the dark. And in their mind, they look at it and say, dad's not afraid of the dark. To use the psalmist words, darkness is as light to him. He's not fazed by that. And because he's not fazed by that, I can feel safe. I can feel Protected. Jesus has offered us an amazing thing through a personal relationship with him. It's this idea that I'm protected. There's no need to be anxious. There's no reason to be anxious. I mean, when that cloud and that pillar of fire led the people of Israel, not only did it symbolize God's presence, but it also symbolized God's protection. Because it symbolized, wait a minute, every time I see that thing, I realize that God is so much bigger than me. That that cloud is able to, as I'm wandering around, I mean, they were wandering around in the desert, in the wilderness, that would peak temperatures of 100 to 40, 150 degrees and that cloud being able to be that protection from the elements That pillar of fire being that thing that kept away animals and wild animals and everything else that would want to come and attack them at night and to keep them warm. Man, that pillar of fire and that cloud symbolized God's protection. He's with us. We don't need to be anxious. And so Jesus there in the temple says, I am the light of the world. I have come to give you God's presence. I have come to be your protection I have come to be your Savior and protect you from the thing that is the worst thing that could possibly be, and that is judgment for your sin. Eternity in hell, separated from God forever, and I have come to provide life. I have come to protect you from yourself and your consequences of what your sin deserved. I am your protection. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Psalm 27 is one of my favorite psalms and all the book of Psalms. And in verse 1, it's interesting that David says, the Lord is my, first description, my light. And my salvation. And David says, because I understand God's protection, he's my light. Whom shall I fear? No reason to be anxious. I love John 10, 29, where Jesus gives the illustration of God's God's protection and the security that I have in God that when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ that Jesus says no one is able to pluck you out of my father's hand man that's protection you ever play that game with your kids like we would always do this when we were like waiting in line somewhere and bored to tears so we just start playing games you know you play that paper rock scissors or you play thumb wars right or or we would play this game and it'd be like all right can you open dad's fist so I gave this illustration at the 9 a.m. hour, and everybody was asking my kids to try to open up my hand, and they could not do it still, by the way, if you were wondering. But I would hold my hand, and they would try to pry my fingers, and the game was, see if you can open Dad's hand. And up to this point, and I know I won't hold on to it much longer, but they can't open my hand. Why? Because I'm stronger than they are. And when Jesus says in John 10, 21, no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand, that ought to give you tremendous strength. Peace and understanding of God's protection over your life and ought to cause anxiety to not to to, to flee from your mind. Because I'm in my dad's hand, and nobody can pry that hand. He's my light and my salvation. I don't need to fear. He's my protection. There's no reason to be anxious. And listen to me, if you're not feeling God's protection this morning, I wonder if it's because you're not following him right now. Because that word follow literally means in John 8, 12, it's the idea of complete submission to the Lord. Like it's not serving God half-heartedly. It's not straddling the fence between what I want to do and what God wants to do. It's not that idea. Think of this. I don't come to Jesus Christ half-heartedly. I come to Jesus Christ when God opens up my eyes to realize that I am dead in my trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. There's nothing that I can do to warrant a relationship with God, that there's no good that I can do to ever earn God's favor, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So I am laid bare before God and I say to God, God, it's only because of Jesus Christ that I can have a relationship with you. I trust in his perfect life in place of my sinful life. I, placed, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and paid for me what my sin deserved, and I believe he wrote again three days later so that today I can place my trust in him and know that I will have a relationship a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ like I don't come to that place half-heartedly and Jesus says whoever follows me will not walk in darkness that if I am pursuing Jesus Christ as my greatest treasure and I'm following him there's a promise there that I won't walk in darkness that I have his protection that I don't need to fear Listen to me, the safest place for you to be is following Jesus. It's the safest place. I remember being a teenager and sometimes getting anxious about what I was going to do or where God wanted me or how this was going to work out or how that was going to work out. I remember my dad told me when I was a teenager, he said, Johnny, the safest place to be is in the will of God. Safest place to be. I mean, if God's will for my life was to send me out, I'm going to have friends of mine who I went to college with that have sold everything, that are going to Iraq to share gospel, to share the gospel with people over there, going to where ISIS is heavy and everything else. And I look at that, I'm like, are you, like, I'd be lying if I said it, I was like, are you serious? But listen to me, they know that that that's God's will for them, and that's the safest place for them to be. They're safer there than hanging out here in the U.S. Why? Because obedience to God and following Him is always the safest place to be in your life. It's where God's protection is felt the greatest, is when you are following Him. And when you sin, you fall down on your face and you ask forgiveness of it and you repent and you get back up and you follow Him. It's the safest place to be. Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. I have his protection. There's no need to be anxious. Let me give you the third thing. Jesus is my light, and he provides me with his perspective. So there's no reason to be lost. He provides me with his perspective, so there's no reason to be lost. Look at how he finishes out this verse. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And then he says, but will have the light of life. Like, Jesus will give me light for life. Perspective. There's no reason to be lost. And I was thinking about this. You know, we don't know anymore in our age when we have phones and and we can, if we're lost, we can look up Google Maps and know exactly where we need to turn or where we need to go. Or, or if you're lost and, and you can't find your wife and you're in Walmart and you're like, you know, gosh, we've been here for 45 minutes. Like, you know, you're like, where the heck are you, right? And you know, meet me here, right? We don't even know what it's like to be lost anymore, right? Because of technology. But I'll tell you what. I remember... The feeling of when someone you loved or you were lost. Can you think back to those times before this, right? I remember when we were, there's, some of you know this, others of you don't, there's six boys in our family. It's a lot of testosterone. God bless my mother. But there was, so I'm the oldest, and what that means is is I had the privilege of hazing all of my younger brothers because I am the oldest. And so I remember one one night, this was around Halloween, and we were going into Walmart. And my third brother in line, his name is Jimmy, was not a fan of scary masks. And so here's what you needed to know when you have a house of six boys. Here's the cardinal rule that must be observed for survival. You ready for this? Never share your weakness. It's a cardinal rule. When you have that many boys in one house, and we knew Jimmy's weakness, he hated scary masks. So, of course, being the oldest brother that I was and wanting to love him well, as soon as we walked into Walmart, I told my brother Adam, who's the second brother, I said, let's go find the scariest mask that we can and scare Jimmy. So we went, you're already judging me, but we, already, we went in there and I found the scariest mask. I don't even remember what it was, but I can promise you it was scary and it was ugly and probably nasty. And I put it on and Adam put it on and we chased my brother around Walmart. Don't even ask me where my parents were, but that's another story. But, but we chased him around and I'm telling you, we scared him so bad that literally after he ran and went out of our sight, we could not find him for what seemed like hours, and all of a sudden, what turned out to be funny, he hee, ha, ha, let's scare our brother Jimmy, all of a sudden, it dawned on us, we're going to get in major trouble for this. <laughs> and it did not bode well with us that night, I can just tell you that. But we looked forever for him. And there reached a point where we're like, dude, we got to clue, like, clue in mom and dad on this. Remember, it wasn't any of this. And so we looked and scoured and everything and eventually found him in one of those circular racks. You know, he was in the middle hiding. Well, let me just say, like I said before, it did not bode well with us, but I remember what turned out to be funny turned out to be fear because we were like, dude, our brother's lost, he's kidnapped, whatever it is, we have no idea where he is. Think about it. You ever been in an amusement park with your kids and you turn around and your kid's not there anymore? The terror that comes in, right? Right? And then like you're so afraid and you start crying and whatever it is and rightfully so and you're thinking some guy took my, took my kid and, and you're like, you're just starting to think of all the memories of your time with that little child and then among, and it's like all that's happened in like 30 seconds. And then you see that child again and what turned out to be love and care and compassion. Where have you been and where, don't ever leave me again, right? Right? Care to absolute anger. Or maybe you were one of those kids and couldn't find mom and dad and that fear of being lost. That fear of being in darkness. Think about that. Some of you feel like you're in that place right now. You may be here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ and you're here and you don't even know why you're here or how you got here but you feel completely lost. Or you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and right now you're like, man, I feel like I'm wandering. I feel like I'm lost. And you know, when you look at the children of Israel, when they celebrated this Feast of Tabernacles, not only did they think of God's presence and God's protection, but man, they they remembered, and this was to celebrate God's guidance for them and His direction for them. And how they followed that cloud. And when that cloud moved, they moved. And when that pillar of fire stopped, they stopped. And wherever that went, they went. They'd never been in the wilderness before. They didn't know where the land of Canaan was. All they knew is, is we have to follow that cloud. And when that thing moves, we move. And when that thing stops, we stop. And when that pillar of fire goes, we go. And when that pillar of fire stops, we stop. We stop. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today and you're feeling lost, I wonder, where have you wandered away? Where have you thought to yourself, God's saying this way, but I'm going to go this way, and now you're over here and you're saying, I don't know why I feel lost, and I wonder if we need to examine ourselves instead of pointing the finger at God, say, where have I wandered away from the light? Where have I started looking at life with my perspective rather than God's perspective so that I can be walking in the light? 1 John says that 1-7, walk in the light as he is in the light. But here's the reality. Let's just be honest. Sometimes what God says doesn't look like what we see. Can we be honest about that? Like, man, I know what God's Word says. but Man, I see this. I see this. And the devil loves in our lives to tempt us to look at the problems of our lives and cause it to block the perspective that God wants us to have. To block the perspective to see God for who He is and to see that He's greater than any darkness that our problems may be causing us to want to focus on. And so we sit here this morning, and I'm sure many of us would say, yes, God, I know that's what you say, but that's not necessarily what I see. But get this, it's not about what I see defining my reality, it's about allowing what God says to define my reality. And that only happens... When I am daily saying, man, God, I have to get in your word and to see who you say you are, God, you are my source of direction. God, I need to remind myself of what your perspective is towards life, towards my problems, towards my difficulties, whatever it may be. God, I'm looking to you and I'm reminding myself, Lord, that your perspective causes me to not have any reason to be lost. That God, I don't know where you're leading in this. I don't know where you're guiding this. But here's what I know. I'm following you. And when you move, I move. And when you say stop, I stop. I'm going to allow what you say to define what I see. And I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will be the result? He will make straight your paths. Psalm 119, verses 105. It's a verse we probably know well. And it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Here's the reality. Jesus is my light. And He provides me with His presence, and He provides me with His protection, and He provides me with His perspective. But the only way that I'm reminded of Jesus' presence, and that there's no reason to feel lost. The only way that I remind myself of Jesus' protection so there's no reason to be anxious, the only way that I remind myself of Jesus' perspective so there's no reason to be lost is by me engaging his word every single day by allowing what he says to define what I see. we got to stop believing that we can live our Christian lives apart from engaging His Word and crying out to Him on a daily basis. Listen to me. It can't happen. It can't happen. Your Word is a light unto my path. I mean, I wish sometimes... I say to myself, God, it'd be awesome if you could just shine a big spotlight on the entire journey that you want me to go on. But God doesn't work like that. And every time I've wished that, when I look back, I'm like, God, I'm so glad you didn't show me 10 steps ahead because I never would have moved. I'm glad you only showed me one. And that's the idea when the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. It's like, God, you show me the next step to take. And I'm just gonna be obedient and take that next step. And I'm gonna engage your word every day, and I'm gonna cry out to you, and I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to confirm in my heart what your word says, and I'm gonna experience that peace that surpasses all understanding that causes me not to be anxious Philippians 4 6 and 7. And I'm just gonna take every step, and God, where you lead, I lead. Where you go, I go. When you say stop, stop I stop. Because you're my light, you give me your presence. You give me your protection, you give me your perspective.